0: just thinking a little bit about phones and I try to see the good in phones I mean I've just tried to take that approach with different things that are so easy to be upset about because I'm as upset about I mean I'm as upset about phones as anybody who's upset with them but I just have to see the positive because there's no choice I have to remember the good things you can use one for. Like, I like being able to communicate with everyone I know. I like being able to look things up. I, I like being able to occasionally kill time with my cell phone. But uh, and as a result, I try not to be one of those people who just complains about phones. I've talked about it on here for years, you know. I'm not into phone shaming. It's so easy to look at somebody who's sucked into their phone and be like, you can't ever put that thing away, can you? Kids today, they're just buried in their phones. Zoomers get a really bad rap with that. Oh, you've, you've seen these Zoomers? That you can't even, uh, you can't get them to look up from their phone for two freaking seconds. Look at everybody. I mean, I don't understand why Zoomers get a bad rap for that. I guess they get a bad rap for it because it's all they know. You know, if you were born in 2002, you're a 21-year-old now. But you think about when they came of age. Like, their first memories... I mean, they didn't become conscious until well past the mid-2000s and I think back about like my my girlfriend in probably 2009 or something getting one of the first smartphones so that kid's what like six or seven years old when people start getting those like people have already been on Facebook for a while for a while by the time they really start to learn what the world is at all Like their earliest memories are probably their parents, their mom taking photos, putting them on Facebook, showing the kid Facebook. It's just a normal part of life. Like when I brought this up before, I said, you know, these kids only know a world where like when you go to the local diner, they have a little placard with just information on it, on the menu. And there's a little F, a blue F, and it says, find us on Facebook. They only know that world and that's fine. Just like a hundred years ago, people could look at the kids then and be like, They only know a world with automobiles. Before that, like that those kids, they only know a world with phones. I mean it's it's kind of the same thing. These things are different. Like smartphones and social media are are way different than just this phone being invented or automobile becoming invented and common. But the idea of, like, yeah, there's always going to be people who only know that world. There, you know, and today there's kids who only know a world where the Internet was around. Or these even more recent, you know, incarnations of technology. Um, and so what I was getting at, though, is, is just that people blame Zomers, and to some degree millennials, younger millennials... But mostly Zomers. Like they they blame all the phone obsession on them. Look at them. They, they they just never look up. Can't even have a conversation with them. And I think they get the blame because that's all they know. With people who are older, they they at least remember the time before that, but they're really not any better. You know, they're they're not looking at it that much less. Like if, if they are looking at it less than the Zomers. It's just, it's a small amount. Um, but I've been, I've, I've kind of pushed against all the phone shaming over the years because it's so easy to get sucked into that. And it's just not even interesting. It does suck to like, look at the landscape. I think I said this in the very first every night to school night episode way back when, when I still played music on here. I'll do that again sometime, but I'm just taking a break. Um, I just want to talk. I just want to talk. Um, but uh, in that very first episode, I remember I said, like, you know, it just it doesn't make a good painting. Like a painting where everybody walking down the street, or even just a few people, are looking at their phones, just doesn't make a very aesthetically nice image. It's not something you want to see in photographs of a street scene. It's not something you want to see like a painting of people at a bus stop or a diner like you don't want to see them just all looking down at their phones but you know so so I mean I don't like it I don't like it visually I don't like that people are as stuck on these things stuck in these things as they are but if I were to dwell on that it would just be pointless it would be uninteresting there's so many other people already saying that and I think sometimes it overlooks the good and it overlooks the fact that you can be disciplined about it. Like these people who are like, oh, they, they are always on their phones. Eh? You know, people who say that, very rarely did those people point out that like you can't actually use this for its intended purpose. You can actually use this for good. You can use social media. You can text message people. You can be involved in that world and you really have no choice. There's no escape. There's no room to protest. Like you can't, you can't protest that wave. It it will you will eventually give in. And then you'll be upset that you're giving in. Doesn't mean you shouldn't resist it. Like I'm all about resisting these things as long as you can. Like I didn't get a smartphone for a very long time. I I waited years. Well after smartphones were the norm to actually get one. I I just finally had to. The world required it of me. And I didn't get upset about it though. I was like, I finally have to do this. I'm not thrilled, but I'm, you know, I'm going to find the good in it. Because you can. Like, you, you can not check it all the time. Like, I'm completely comfortable having my phone in the other room or across the room. But I will admit... I like to have it nearby, and I really can't leave the house without it, not just because I use, like, even if I don't need it for whatever I'm doing, like, I mean, it's so bad, even for me, that if I even, like, I, I have one of those, uh, like, mailbox banks, I found out they're called, but it's where the entire neighborhood has mailboxes in the same place up the street and you just have a key to unlock them it's like the same type of thing they have in apartments and stuff but this neighborhood has those it's just a short walk up the street probably not even a five minute walk each way maybe about a five minute walk I don't know maybe not even that but it's just it's on my street right up the street it's a nice little walk but even then like If I leave my house, I have my keys, I'm just walking right up the street. I don't even have to turn, it's just a short walk. I don't like to do that without my phone. I feel weird. And sometimes I'll even look at my phone on that short walk. I'm really good at taking in the world. Like I'm I'm somebody who doesn't just walk around looking at it. I don't walk around just staring at it at all. Sometimes I will if I'm talking to somebody or there's something in particular that I'm interested in, but it's not something I do. I walk around talking into it like I am doing now, but I'm not a, I'm not somebody who compulsively checks it or looks at it. I can walk for hours without looking at it. It's on me and I don't feel comfortable if it's not on me, but I can walk for hours without looking at it. But that said, there are times when I walk up to check the mail, I have no business looking at it. But I will. I'll just check it. You know, we become a world of checkers. We just check it. Just checking it. And uh, that says something too, though. That, like, I feel like I'm pretty disciplined with it. Like, I've talked about this many times on here, but I heard a, a thing a few years ago where millennials, millennial adults... When they were going out for like couples dinners. Because this, this is a very much a thing couples will do if they're out to dinner together. Or you're going over to a couple's house. A bunch of couples are going over to a couple's house. Which I, I should say is gay. You can all be straight heterosexual couples. You, you're with a woman. Everybody there is with a woman. But going to like a couples night dinner thing. Where it's just a bunch of couples hanging out it's actually gay. Not many people know that. Um, (laughs) But uh, anyway, I found out like this is like something like millennials were doing in in, now that they're adults, and they're having dinner parties, and they're they're going out to, to dinner. They would all stack their phones in the middle of the table or turn them off. But it was like it was something it was like a ritual. It was like something they all did together. It wasn't just like somebody on their own is like, oh, I'm sitting down to dinner with my friends. I'm going to put my phone on silent and not look at it. I'm going to turn my phone off. Like they were all stacking them in the middle of the table so that nobody could reach for them. And they, it's to promote conversation, which yeah, needs to happen. Cause I mean, it sucks to sit at a dinner table where everybody's just looking at their phones. Sometimes it is a little better than conversation depending on who you're with, but Uh, You know, obviously people, when they get together, they should talk, except except for I kind of believe they shouldn't. I've said on here before, my grandpa had a rule, no talking at the dinner table. I don't even remember personally witnessing it, but I was told my whole life, oh, that grandpa doesn't like people to talk at the dinner table, doesn't want people to talk at the dinner table. And we didn't eat at the dinner table at my house. We rarely, if ever, had formal dinners. It was only if a guest was over. Like my mom would just make pasta or something, and we just I just sit on the couch. My mom would sit in her chair. My sister, my sister always liked to eat at tables. She might like sit at like the little kitchen table and eat. But for the most part, we were just a you know watch TV and eat family. So we didn't really have any rules. Like we talked, we watched TV. We just you know it didn't matter. And we interacted though. It was like I feel like that was good. Like that was what people were looking for. Like this these people now who are like we must sit at a dinner table with our phones stacked in the middle of the table so that we interact like humans. It's very forced. I mean that's no different really to me from like parents who are like, and Johnny, what did how is school today? And and dad, how was work? Good. Like that sort of forced conversation that gets parodied in movies and everything. That's kind of how I feel about, like, millennials sitting around with their phones stacked, like, forcing conversation. You shouldn't have to set it up that way. And you're probably not going to have a good conversation because of that. This is how humans have fun and talk. Remember talking? You know, whenever it has that tone to it, it just ruins it. Like, I think back to my childhood where even if my friends were over, if anybody was over, like my mom would just you know make us food and we just eat it in front of the tv like one of my friends would be on like like laying on the floor as he ate i'm just like sitting on the couch you know my mom's sitting in her chair just we're we're just and we would be interacting we would be having like this real in the moment moment where we're like enjoying food watching something like distracted by this and i'm like that's the way to eat um (laughs) Like, like we were just savages, but we were having fun. You know, I, like I look back on that and I was like, yeah, eating, eating was, it's not even that like eating itself was fun. It was just like, we just did it and did whatever we were going to do anyway. Like hanging out at night, watching TV. Yeah. We might as well have dinner and do it all at the same time. But when I, when I was talking about like this stacking your phones or like turning your phones off, like this ritualizing it, this like formalizing it. I was joking, like, oh, I bet there's there's probably someone who has, like, a phone drawer in their house. When people come over, they're like, oh, everybody has to put their phone in the phone drawer. It's like it's becoming like a, a theater or something. It's becoming like a concert, like some of those concerts where it's like, oh, we have to put your phone in a bag. Because the artist doesn't want you to record uh, the, the show. It's like people's houses become that. When the, the better choice is just to develop a discipline around. It. Like if you can't stop looking or checking. Because most of it's checking. That's why I say it's it's become this world of, of checkers and checking. Because they're very rarely seeing anything new. And it's something you do when you're expecting a message from somebody. Like I remember, you know, years ago, like dating or something or going through a breakup where you just keep checking it to see if they messaged you. You keep looking. And, but people do that all the time for any reason. It's just a lot of checking. Like they'll check the social media to see if there's anything, if anything new has been added in the last minute or the last 30 seconds. They'll, I mean, people will just refresh the same thing over and over and over again. Just refresh it. Like not even wait. Just refresh, refresh, refresh. You know, people do that kind of thing. And you can't do that. I mean, that's that's why this stuff does deserve criticism. That's why this stuff is upsetting. That's why I don't like it any more than anybody else. But you'll go, you know, you, you'll just... Uh, I don't know, you'll, you, you'll just be a very bland person if you focus on that all the time. And... I think part of forming a discipline around it and having restraint isn't just like, it's not setting it there and being like, I'm not going to look at that for five minutes. Oh, I'm going to limit my screen time today. I'm going to start limiting my screen time to five hours. I'm going to have an app that logs the amount of screen time I've had. I've seen people hold that up. They'll show you their screen time. And they're like, oh, I've got to get my screen time down. It's like it's like counting your steps. Those those things that count your steps. I've got to get this many steps in. I've got to limit my screen time to five hours instead of ten today. That's fine if that if that works for you. But what works for me is just being like, oh yeah, this is this is a great tool. I like that if I'm truly bored or I just feel like it, I can just look at the internet on this thing. I like that I can interact with people whenever I want. I like that I can hear from people. I like that they can call me. I like that they can message me. I like that in case of an emergency, I can use this. I like that I can look up an address or directions. All the things people use this for. But I'm going to remember that, you know, I use it for that. And, uh... I don't really need to use that all the time. I don't really need to do that all the time. I benefit when I don't. I don't, I don't actually like those things. Um, rather, rather, no, I like those things, but I, I don't, I don't like those things to be constant. Is what I meant to say. And uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't even say because like I'm not somebody who was ever so into it that I had to like train myself to not look at it. I think I look at it a lot less, but. I just sort of naturally started looking at it a lot less. It just kind of became more and more difficult for me to respond to everything, or I don't, and I barely send anything. I very rarely actually send anything out there. I very rarely like initiate text messages. You know, I, I like I like social media, like the same things I'm saying about social media. Here's a way. That I can interact with people. I can. I don't hate these people. I like many of them. And I can see what they're doing. And what they're up to. And what they're saying. And even if I don't like some of it. Or a lot of it. It's like. There's, there's a fun to it. It's an interesting way to view the world. But I don't need to view it that way all the time. I don't need to check it that much. I mean I remember going a few months. Last year without looking at it. Instagram or anything like that. I think I went like several months without looking at it once. And I didn't... But the thing is, I, I hadn't tried to. I didn't try to like look at it. I was like, I'm not going to look at this for three months. I never did the like, I'm deleting this. I'm deleting this. I'm just making an announcement because letting everybody know that in exactly two days, I'm deleting my Facebook. So send me your phone number because we're going to talk that way. You know, it's like... Um, if, if that's what you need to do, do it. But like, I guess like, unless you have a reason to delete it, like you just don't want that information out there anymore. You don't want to be accessible at all anymore. I don't see the point in making a big deal about it. Oh, just don't check it. If it's bothering you, if you're deleting it because like you're annoyed by people, just don't check it as much. Just don't check it. Period. And that's what happened to me. Like last year, I think it was like 2022. I was so caught up in other things that I just, I started forgetting to even look at it and I lost the interest and I've been looking at it more again, you know, when I'm bored at work mainly, like I don't really look at it at home, but if I'm bored at work or something, I'll, I'll take a glimpse, like someone might send me something, that kind of thing. Um, I I like it for what it is. I, I like the service it provides. I like that it allows people to express themselves, to share photos, to share thoughts. I like that you can 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 stay connected or connect with certain people. I don't really use it a lot for that. I really only use it to I really only use technology to talk to people I already know that I already have like an established rapport with. Um, and if I do talk to someone new, it's you know, there's something probably special like special about it. Um But I, I see it as a good thing overall when you see it that way. And then when you just, um, I don't know, but like I said, it's like, I don't feel like I had to train myself to not look at it or not use it all the time. Cause I don't feel like I was ever that hinged on it. I don't feel like it was ever that much of a crutch for me, even though I feel weird leaving the house without it. I, I really don't think it'd be fun to do that as an exercise, It'd be fun to go run my errands without my phone as an exercise, but it'd be interesting to see how anxious I get because I know I would be. And it's weird too, because I wouldn't be anxious about like not being able to use the directions. I wouldn't be anxious about uh, not being able to like look at stuff because when I'm running errands, it's not like, I mean, if it's in my area, I don't need to look anything up. I don't need to see what's open or where it is. I'm just on autopilot and I'm also not stopping to look at Instagram. Like when I'm waiting uh, in line at the grocery store, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not looking at social media to pass the time. Like I can tolerate a two minute wait, but the reason I would, it's gotta be like, well, what if this, the reason I wouldn't be comfortable is like, well, what if I need it? What if there's an emergency? What if somebody needs to get a hold of me? What if I need to call nine one one? That's why I would, I'd be anxious about it, and just because I'm used to having it. And if I feel that way, I imagine there's people who feel that way a hundred times more. And I see, I see this with like some of the people who work for me. You know, I finally had to crack down on phones. Like I told them, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you not to use your phones." You know, you have them, like I know, I know it's hard to not look at them, but I said, you know, I just don't want to like, every time I turn the corner for you to be on them. Like, and if I see you using your phone, but you're getting everything done and you're working hard, I'm not going to care. But, I, uh, I just don't want to see it be, I, I just don't want it to be out of hand. And sure enough, it got out of hand. I was like, I'm going to be lenient, you know, and just say, no, I'm not going to say you can't use them. Just use good judgment. Well, they didn't use good judgment. They're, 19, they're 18, 19, 21 years old. They only know that world. I mean, the 18, 19 year olds, they only know that. You know, if you're born in 2005... You know, that's all you know. But sure enough, like, they didn't use good judgment. And I just had to say, like, I'm going to be cracking down on phones now. Like, I can't be coming around the corner and seeing this every time, because that's how it, how it is. Every time. So I just, I, I spread word that I just can't deal with that anymore. But it had to be laid out that way. And I completely understand why companies have a harsh policy about it. I understand why there there are no phone rules at jobs and that kind of thing. Because um, many people have no discipline with it, and. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, what's missing, though, is like with the phone shaming is it's just the phone shaming. It's just like attacking people who are on their phones all the time, often coming from people who are on their phones all the time. But there's never anything constructive. There's never any kind of guidance. And that's why I always try to take the approach of, yeah, like the same things piss me off about it as everybody else. But like, I'd rather be constructive and not say like, oh, like you got to delete Facebook. You got to like put your phone in the phone drawer and chain it for five minutes and see how you handle it. Uh, You got to count your screen time. So you're not looking at it too much. Like instead of all that bullshit, just be like, think of it as a tool. Look at the good about it. Try to use it only for the good. Like when you really need to use it don't keep it around you. Because I mean, I, I talked about that on here where with meditation, like it's it's been since November, I think since I've meditated at all, I need to start doing it again. It's famous last words. I need to start doing it again. I'm not going to worry about the fact that I need to do it again because that defeats the whole purpose. But I would like to get back into it. But meditation is interesting because when I was meditating heavily for a few years, I I noticed... Noises, you know, like the sound of batty barking, children playing and screaming outside. Yeah, maybe it stopped me from being able to get into as deep of a state as I would like, or I should, you know. But who cares, who cares about like what you would like or what you should like when you're trying to meditate And you're hearing the dog bark or kids outside. That's exactly what you should be meditating on right then. That's exactly what you should be meditating uh, in response to. Whether it's to try to tune it out. To try to disconnect from it. To go so deep that that's not even on your mind. That you're not even aware of it anymore. Or to actually think about it while you're hearing it. To hear it just as the sound that it is. And when I was doing that, those kind of sounds really didn't faze me. I could meditate with those sounds going on. I could meditate with batty barking. I could meditate with uh, kids outside. The one noise though, that penetrated me deeply in the worst possible way was the sound of a text message. Even in another room, if it was in the room with me, it was truly like something was grinding down to my bone. Grinding down to my bone. It, like if I if, let's say like my my phone was sitting in front of me on the table, and I didn't put it on silent while I was meditating. If I got just a single text message and heard just a vibration, it was so much louder than it is when you're in waking. You know, like a waking normal life. Like your phone vibrates on a table. You're just like, oh, I got, I got a message. When I was meditating, it was so much louder. And really shook me, really disturbed me. If you get a phone call, because my phone just vibrates on repeat, just vibrates a bunch of times if I get a phone call, that's crazy too. And I felt like a a phone shamer or something when I had that feeling. Like, I didn't want to feel that way. I wanted the the sound of a phone to feel... I wanted it to be no different than the sound of, of, you know... An animal or a baby crying. Oh, hey, this is kind of, it's something that could be kind of annoying or grating, but it's natural. I can go with this. I can meditate with this. But with the phone, I just couldn't do it. It was just such a grating thing. It was a good experience in that way, because you're just, you're feeling the essence of what that is. You're feeling the essence of a phone vibrating. Even across the room. Even across the room it was so loud. Just that little vibration was so loud. It felt like it was in me. But that was eye opening to me. Because I didn't want to feel that way about it. I wanted it just to be like any sound. Any natural sound. But it wasn't. And that told me something about what that does to you. It told me something about like what it is to you know, be reacting to your phone all the time. I got a message. Oh, I, I, and you think about how much like you think about your phone, too. Not just when you're checking it all the time. But that phantom vibrate. Like, I keep my phone in, in my... I, I have a, an inner pocket that goes near the breast. Near my breast. And so, you know, if I'm wearing my jacket, that's where my phone is. If I'm not wearing my jacket, it's just in my pocket. In one of my front pockets in my pants. But when it's, you know, layered like that, I don't always feel it. I don't, I don't always feel that I got a message or even a phone call. I'll check it. Oh, there's a missed call. It was in my pocket. I didn't know. But you often feel that phantom. Like, I can't even tell you how many times, like, my, my phone's just in my jacket. I'm not expecting to hear from anybody. I'm not even thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, my phone's vibrating. But it turns out it wasn't. Nobody called me. Nobody messaged me. There was no notification. Oh, is my, is my phone vibrating? So it there's a phantom vibration. It's a lot like when you're growing up and you think you hear your mom's voice. Like I remember being a kid, playing upstairs, being outside, and you're like, oh, I think I just heard my mom calling me. I've heard a lot of people have that that phantom, the phantom mom's voice. Where it's like there's just some sort of frequency. It's like the same frequency hits you or something. And you're like, oh, I think I heard heard my mom. But uh, it's it's very much like that. But it's just this device. And, you, and so it preoccupies you in that way. Like even when you're not using it. Even when you're not preoccupied with it. Even when you're not checking it. You're compelled to check it. Because you're like, oh, I think I felt it. I think I felt it. So that's crazy. Um, but it's like people say, like, you know, people always say this. But there is truth to it where it's like, oh, I, I remember the days when you would just leave the house and nobody could get a hold of you. I remember that, too. I don't remember what that felt like, though, because I didn't think of it that way when, when that was true. You know, back in you know most of my life, like like most of my life, that's how it was. And uh, you know, but I I don't really remember how it felt because I wasn't thinking about the fact that it felt that way. It was just what I knew. When I was fifteen, and I would you know be like, "Oh, mom, I'm going over to so and so's house. I'm gonna walk." You know, oh, uh, we're going to go here. We're going to go to the mall. We're going to go to the ball game. The ball game. We're going to go to the ball game. I didn't think about the fact that it was difficult to get a hold of me. That you couldn't get a hold of me directly. That if I went to a restaurant, someone would have to call the restaurant and ask for me just to get a hold of me. I didn't think about that. I don't remember that ever happening, by the way. I don't ever remember <laughs> being at a restaurant and someone called the restaurant and was like, Can I talk to a guy named Eric who's there? But that people used to do that. They'd call the place you were at and ask for you. You'd use the phone there if you had to contact somebody. Um, you know, that was the world that I lived in, you know, until I was like 17, 18, probably a little later because I don't really remember. Even though I got a cell phone, you know, my last year and a half of high school, I had one, just like a little Nokia. I don't really remember. I don't know. I probably had it with me most of the time, but it wasn't something I really thought about or used that much. And my friends and I would just use it to call each other. I got the first text message I ever received my junior year of high school, this girl that I knew. She messaged me from work, from her job, with this inside joke she had about her coworker. And never re- I knew that there, I knew that text messages existed, and I had them on my phone, but I didn't know of anybody using them. I, I had no plans to use it. But I remember like I got a message, and I was like, "Wow, She sent me a message. But I don't remember my circle of friends using those at all. We would just call each other. We would meet up and be like, oh, hey, call so-and-so. Or they'd call me at home. I'd be like, oh, hey, where? They'd be like, oh, I'm down here. Come meet me here. You know, we didn't really use the messages until later. Um, But So I I did live in that world, though, where people couldn't get a hold of you, not easily. But the way people talk about it, and I think this is true for any kind of nostalgia, a lot of it at least, it's like when people imagine what it was like to watch Saturday morning cartoons in the 90s. Like, you enjoyed it for what it was. It was like, oh, dude, Saturday morning cartoons, and I like those. They're exciting. But it didn't feel the way people imagine it felt. You know, it, it didn't feel the way. It was still just reality as you knew it. It was like, oh, I, I really, I'm glad I'm watching this show. Oh, this is exciting. But it wasn't this sort of um, transcendental euphoria that people think it is. And you see, people do that about everything. You know, they look back and they're like, oh, back when... Uh, you know, back when, like, you used to have to wind up your car. And you just, like, drove around an old-timey city and there were, there were no cars on the streets. There were five cars in the whole city. They imagine it was like some sort of transcendental euphoria. I'm sure it was euphoric to be driving in an automobile way back then and stuff. But it wasn't this sort of, it wasn't this otherworldly feeling that you imagine the past is like. Like you see this with people who fetishize rustic living and things. Where like there is something glorious about that. And there is something glorious about the days when people had to live that way. But the way you're viewing it through the lens of this nostalgia isn't what it actually felt like. Like, even if you experienced that, it's like what I'm talking about now. Like, to us today, being able to leave the house and not have anybody get a hold of you, and just like figuring out how to find places on your own, and just being out there in the world. Nobody's going to call you, nobody's going to message you, you're not going to do that to anybody else, you're just out in the world, you're untethered. You know, even though I experienced that, I view it with kind of a nostalgia, when the reality of what I was feeling was just normal life. Oh yeah, we're going to the mall. If I need to call somebody, I'll use a payphone, but there's a, at the most, I'll have to call my mom to come pick me up or something. I'm not going to call to check in with somebody or share any news. I have nothing I need to tell anybody right now. They have nothing they need to tell me. It sounds kind of like euphoric, but it's really not. It's, it's not. It was just life as you knew it. So when people talk about like like the world without phones, without smartphones and all that, they're adding something extra onto it. And that, And it would feel different to do that today. It would be almost artificial to do it today. Because it's not the world we live in. It's like I was saying about when I heard these stories about like, oh, millennials are uh, having dinner parties and they're making everybody stack their phone in the middle of the table so that they do that old-fashioned thing that we call talking and enjoying each other's company. You know, when I when I heard those stories, I, I remember reading like articles about that. Well, it's nice you're trying to do that, but what you're what you're achieving is not the world where people used to just go out to dinner and look at each other and talk to each other the whole time. You're creating a synthesized version of that because we're no longer in that world. And what you're trying to feel, like that euphoria, that transcendence you're trying to access, isn't what people were feeling back then. And if they were, it wasn't because they didn't have phones. It was because there was chemistry. Um, but I don't know. I mean, this, this job that I've been working, retail management, it's made me really wish that I lived in a world without phones, without smartphones. I, I actually wish I lived in a world with just landlines because everything would still get done. But I, like, like having all these employees, like the, the things, like it makes it so easy for people to call out from work for one. Because there's always been a rule where if you, don't, if you don't check in with your boss when you take the day off, you're in trouble or you're fired. But you used to actually have to do it. You know, you used to actually have to have the balls to tell them with your own voice. Oh, I'm sick. I woke up and I'm sick. I woke up and I'm sick. You used to actually have to say it. And if you're faking being sick, you had to fake the sick voice. What we call faking the sick voice. You actually had to fake it. Or if you were sick, you still had to call in and, you know, tell them. And it took something to do that. Just like it takes something to like call a girl and ask her out on a date, which I don't think I ever did. I don't, I don't think I ever called a girl and said, "Hey, I'd like I'd like to take you out." It either just happened on its own, or it was in the age of messaging or something. But I don't ever remember just calling I called girls, but I don't remember calling them to specifically to ask them out on a date or ask them out. But it is like that, where it's like so many things you used to have to do that way. And then before that, you had to do it in person. I mean, I don't even know what it was like before phones. Like, before phones, did you have to actually, like, go to work and be like, I'm sick and I'm going to go back home? <laughs> you know, I never thought about that. Did you just not show up? Like, did you just not, sh- if you were sick and you couldn't work? Did you just not show up that day? And they were like, I guess he's sick. Or to not get fired, did you have to actually like, like get out of bed when you're legitimately sick and like march down to work and be like, I'm coming in to tell you I'm sick and I'm going home. I don't know. But anyway, just being this manager and like I've had managerial roles before, but it wasn't like this. And I think part of it's maybe the retail environment and that kind of thing. andrews I mean, this is a different type of management than I've done before, for sure. But it's just like you wake up every morning with this knot in your stomach of like, who's going to text me? I did have a woman call me the other day to tell me like she was going to be late. But she's older. She's like, I think like at least mid-40s. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a little older, I don't know. But she did call, like, so that's kind of old school. I had a young millennial girl, or a young Zoomer girl call a couple times. But I had to fire her, because she was in, like, a two-week period. Her first two weeks, she worked, like, four days. She was scheduled for ten days. And each one was a different excuse. And then when she was, the four days that she was at work, she was such a, a depressing, bad worker that I was just like, fuck this, you're gone. You're, like, you're in your probationary period. And I get that, like, you have an excuse for each one. But I was just like, I, I, you know, almost every day I'm waking up and you're a new employee. And every day I'm waking up and, you know, dreading getting a message from you that you can't come in. Like, I'm just, this isn't a good fit. I didn't like having to do that, but I was just like, I can't, I can't deal with that. But it's just like waking up and like being like, who's gonna call out today? And even if it's a legitimate reason, it just still sucks, and it's it's so easy to do. And most of them text, like almost all of them will text it. And then you know, off days as well, like something. You know, I've had my, I've had both my off days now three weeks in a row. But I know soon, I'm not gonna have those. Like I'm gonna have to go in on my off days in the near future for a little bit. And uh, when I have off days, though, it's it's really important that I disconnect because it's this job where like I'm in charge of this store, and when I'm not, and it's open seven days a week. So when I'm not there, things are still going on, obviously, and uh, I know people try not to I know they I know they try to have empathy and like not contact me, but inevitably something happens. I mean, a few weeks ago, a month ago, a guy who I fired for attacking another employee physically attacking him. He messaged me, I think I mentioned it on here, like accusing me of calling his mom to tell him what happened, which didn't happen. This guy, obviously he's unhinged, but like it was my, one of my days off and I, I'm just settling down for the evening. It's like seven o'clock at night and I get this angry message from this kid I fired accusing me of calling his mom saying like, what's wrong with you? And, And you know, this is a guy who physically attacks somebody. So I don't need him hating me. I don't need to worry about him. His mental health is what he's going to do. And it was just like, fuck, like even the people I fire harass me on my off days. But then the the people who work for me too. It's like, I know many of them try not to, but inevitably I'm going to get a phone call. I'm going to get a message. And it's just tough because there's just no way to truly disconnect. And a lot of these things wouldn't happen if, if it was just a world of landlines. A lot of these things that get brought to my attention. I mean, like a, a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago, it was like my off day and like this one woman like messaged me and like, just so you know, like this, this girl who works for us said this to me today and I'm really upset. I'm just like, you, you need to bring this. I, I understand like you have a right to be upset that she said that. But it's like, I'm just thinking like, but why, why are you doing this to me on my off day? Like, why are you, why are you telling me this? Like, if you had to actually call me and tell me this, you wouldn't have done it. I didn't say any of this. I was just like, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, you know, because I am I don't like it when there's when people do mean things. But it was and, and, you know, but it, it wasn't a huge thing. It was just, you know, small. And it's like, because she can text it to me, though, she does. And it would just be a very different dynamic. One, like, if people had to actually call you to call out sick, it would be totally different. Even if they just involved them, like, leaving a message before they know you're in, it would still be a much different dynamic. I used to email um, a company I work for, I used to like wake up and i would just send them an email oh hey just letting you know i'm not going to be in today because because of, of this um you know and that was at least like i don't know i actually wouldn't mind if these people emailed me funny enough it's not just like getting it through text because like an email takes a little effort it's like the text it's just I don't know. There's just something about it being through text that I don't like. Because one, you just get it right away. Like, I'm getting ready to take a shower, and I'm like, fuck, this person's calling out. I'm on my way to work. I'm driving, and like, I, I feel the, the vibration. And I'm like, was that a phantom vibration or a real one? And I look, and it's like, oh, this person called out. Oh, I need this person today. Um, So it's just like the convenience of that. And how, you know, accessibility is nice and everything, but um, it would just be a totally different dynamic, a totally different world if these people had to actually speak to me. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm a a caller myself. Like, I prefer to talk to people over the phone. Like, there are some people where, like, I, I don't mind... Just like a continuous exchange, but there's a lot of people where, like, if they try to have a kind of a conversation with you through messages, text messages, in particular, I don't think like, oh, uh, this is what I want to do. Is like, let's just call each other. We're already spending the same amount of time doing this. I can't multitask task i can't multitask if um i'm spending this much time reading your messages and sending you messages so we might as well call each other especially like through text message like i don't some people it's fine like some i have some friends like uh like my friend tony like we uh you know we're We're both obsessed with, you know, mob research and have a similar approach. And like, so we'll have these long text message exchanges, like exchanging information and ideas, but we'll also call each other. If it's convenient, call each other and have the same conversation verbally. There's other people too that I'm, you know, fine could go either way. I don't mind the, I don't mind a text exchange, but with most people, it's just kind of like, we could just call each other and this would go quicker, and we'd be off, off to the races. We'd be talking about something way more interesting in five minutes. Who knows where this conversation would go. It's not always convenient, of course, but, you know, I am a caller. Um, and that's a skill, you know, it's a skill to have, like, to know how to call people, know how to talk on the phone, know how to listen on the phone. Yeah, being accessible. I mean, and the thing is too, though, it's like you can't escape any of this. You know, you end up being the example I, I always use is I don't know if it was in Seattle or where it was, but there was like some developer bought a big residential neighborhood. Oh no, you know, I know where it was. I think there's two stories I'm thinking of. One of them was. Uh, I think it was in Redmond or Bellevue, Washington. Microsoft bought this huge area of land. Because, you know, there there was always like a Microsoft campus in Redmond and Bellevue area that was big. But then they kept buying more land and expanding and this and that. And uh, I remember there was like one family, though, who didn't sell their house. And so you drive through this area, and it's really insane. It's like going to a military base or something, minus all the military stuff, where it's just like there's... Growing up, there were just like these huge sections of Redmond where it's just these ominous Microsoft buildings everywhere the eye can see. Just these open roads with sidewalks, and then you just see these big, flat buildings. Not skyscrapers. Just these, these like, just kind of... Long flat buildings, and uh, then there was just this one house, though just this one house, no trees around it, just grass. And then everywhere around it are just these Microsoft buildings. And it's like, oh, you held out, you know, you held out, and like you wouldn't give in and sell your even though Microsoft offered you a billion, billion for it. You didn't sell out and you kept your house. But now you live in a world where every window you look out, you see Microsoft. And even though it's cool that you held to your principles, you didn't want to move, this is where you've always lived, it's like now all you see is Microsoft. So it's, it's like a lose-lose situation. You lose by selling your house to Microsoft, letting them destroy this place you care about where you have a home, but then you end up just surrounded by it. Everywhere the eye can see. You step out from your house and what you see are Microsoft buildings. I remember that same thing happened, though, with a mall. That might have been in Seattle, too, where... I don't know, is the movie Up about that? I don't even know. There's that kids' movie, Up, and I know it's about a house. I don't... I feel like it might be about that. But, uh, I know that there's a true story, though, where, like, this mall was these developers bought a bunch of property to to build a mall and like one person wouldn't sell it so they literally like built the mall around the house like three sides of the house are surrounded by the mall from what i understand and it's like again the same thing i was saying about the microsoft house except worse because the microsoft house like it i mean i'm just calling it the microsoft house So it's like, it it tells you who won that battle, but with the Microsoft house, like at least from what I remember seeing it as a kid, it at least had like a, like a bunch of open land around it. It wasn't like the Microsoft buildings, like literally surrounded it, like up against it, I feel like there were like big fields or there were stretches of grass or something that separated it. It was just right there surrounded by it. Otherwise. But with this mall house that I'm thinking of, from what I remember, like, the mall is, like, right up against it. It just borders it. And so you can be, you know, the Luddite, like, the technology, like, you can be the Luddite who's, like, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to get a smartphone. I'm never going to take a picture and put it on Instagram. Well, guess what? Like, you're going to be in the background of someone else's picture. You're going to be surrounded by people taking pictures you're going to be surrounded by people texting you're probably going to notice it even more than you know if if than if you had one you're going to be mad you're going to be irritated and it's going to consume you anyway so you're better off just getting one you're better off just like slowly i mean it's like they say about conservatism conservism, I think it's conservativism, I don't know. But uh, it's like they say about, you know, conservative values, where it's like conservatism is liberalism, progressivism going the speed limit, which means like you'll eventually progress. Like you'll eventually give up some of the ground you're holding right now, but you're going to do it more slowly. And I'm that way about language and stuff too. I've said that about like new new slang and things. Like when a new term for something comes out and everybody's using it, I there's just something in me that's disgusted by that. The term selfie. When people first started using the term selfie, I, I you'll never hear that come out of my mouth. You'll never hear me say that. Disgusting word. Selfie. But you know what? I waited a few years, and I was like, well, this word is here to stay. I can't avoid using this word. If I don't use this word, I sound like a bigger idiot, because I'll I'll be like, yeah, she took a, a photo of herself in portrait mode, facing herself. She pointed the phone at herself and turned it into portrait mode and took a photograph. Like it takes a lot more work when you could just be like, "Oh yeah, she took a selfie." But I was slow to do that. Like I didn't want to just jump and use that word. I kind of I, I was like, "I'm going to see if this word sticks around." I didn't and I didn't consciously think this. This is just kind of how I am with language. Like I'm just going to see if this is still here in 5 years. Same thing with technology like i didn't get a smartphone for years i very reluctantly got one later i mean it was years many years ago now but it was relatively late like everybody else i knew already had them but i just kind of waited until i had to i was like i, I want to see if this thing's here to stay i want to see like you know if, if this is truly necessary And so time tells you, oh, this is here to stay, this is necessary, okay. I'm going to be surrounded by it anyway, okay. But I I, I still do have nostalgia for... even things I didn't experience. Because as long as I've been in the working world, people have had cell phones. So I, I never... I never experienced the working world where it was just landlines like if somebody had to get a hold of you, they called the work phone and that was it. but I, I right now I really wish that was the world I lived in because I'm just like, this isn't working for me. The level of connectivity people have isn't working for me. I don't like that people can get a hold of me whenever. I mean, on my off days, I've been putting my phone on silent at night before I go to bed because I'm just like, even though it's ultimately my responsibility, like if the kid, because the kid who's supposed to open the store when I'm not there keeps having these severe health issues and I'm worried about him. I also feel like he could take better care of himself and because it keeps happening, like I need to know, you know, it's nothing personal, but it's like, I need to know if you can do this. And it's like, if he can't come in, like, either my boss, who's very busy doing other things, it's not his store to manage on a day-to-day basis, he has other obligations in different cities and things, like, you know, either he has to do it or I have to do it, and, you know, it falls on me first. Um, I mean, there was a morning where, like, the kid, a few weeks ago, where the kid, like, called me, because I stay up later on my days off, of course, and sleep in and everything. And He called me like early and was just like, oh, you know, I just got to the store and I forgot my keys. And I was like, literally laying down on the couch, I'd fallen asleep on the couch. And I was just like, "Uh, can you can you go get them? He's like, yeah, like someone can give me a ride home and I'll get them. And I was like, okay, well, do that <laughs> you know <laughs> like you got you got to do that uh, like you're going to be able to do that faster than i can wake up and get dressed and drive over there and i don't want to have to do that myself anyway kind of thing like i was not ni- i was nice about it cuz he knew like this is a smart good kid i love this kid like he knows what a big fuck up that is but it's just like this is your first week opening the store by yourself you really should have checked to see if you had your keys before you left the house. Like, I think back to like when I was, when I first started opening the store, even before I was the manager, I was, you know, the admin assistant. So I, I was already in charge of opening the store myself. And it's like, I can tell you like my first week opening the store by myself, I would not have left my keys at home one, I have to drive and they're attached to my keys. But it's like, even then, even if I walk to work, even if I took the bus, like I can tell you that if it was my first day, my second day opening the store, I would not have, I would have made absolute sure. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessive about that kind of thing to begin with. Like everything has to be in its proper place on my body and I can feel it there. I pat myself down obsessively. Like I pat myself down from my wallet, my phone, my keys. Like I do it even when I don't need to do it. I can, I I mean, it's, it borders on obsessive because like I can be just standing in place and I just pat my pockets to make sure that my phone, my keys, my wallet are still there. Even though nothing has changed from the pre that's my checking. Other people do that more with their phones. I'm a checker too. I'm a checker too. I'm checker too. checker number two, uh, but I'm a checker too, but I'm not checking my phone every second for some reason though. Like I'm so paranoid that like, I'm checking my keys like every 10 seconds. Sometimes I'm just, even though I haven't moved an inch and I've been standing in this one place and I haven't heard my keys like fall to the ground, I'm checking, uh, I'm checking again. But when this kid, like when he, you know, didn't bring his keys, I'm just like, man, I don't need to tell him that that's a big fuck up. But uh, you know, he's been having some severe health issues, which worries me. But it's also a thing where I am so overworked. And I have so much on my plate with this place. that, like my my off days are sacred. And I'll come in on my off days and I've done it a lot. But when I actually have an off day, it is so sacred to me. I need to disconnect in every way possible. And so lately what I've been doing is I've just been putting my phone on silent. And I'm like, if if he can't do it or something, like, I, I, I can't. I need my day today. You know, there's other people he can call and it would inconvenience them and that kind of thing. But it's like... I need my day-to-day. I need my morning at the very least. And two, it's a thing where like, what if I was, what if I went somewhere? What if I was going somewhere? And I guess that's the thing about this job, like, you know, beyond some of the other issues and stresses that I deal with, it's just when you manage a store and maybe it's unique to this particular store or this particular company, you know, It's very difficult even on your off day to like be unreachable. Like go, it's very difficult to just go deep in the woods where nobody can contact you to go on a trip. Like there's, I have this knot in my stomach where I'm just like, oh no. I hope I don't hear anything today. I'm either thinking, I hope I don't hear anything. I hope no one tries to reach me. Or they've already reached me and I have a knot in my stomach over whatever it was that's going on. So this is something that, that needs to be I'm gonna need to figure out a way to deal with this. Cause I'm it's I'm too connected. And it's not like I'm on salary or anything, you know, so it's like uh yeah, I need to to learn how to disconnect. But it's true for everybody and everything. Like, there's people that I like to be constantly connected with, but I don't need it all around. Like, I don't need it in general. And so I guess this is me venturing into like phone shaming, anti phone talk, where I'm like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't need. I I could do without that. I could do without that right now. And it does make you wimpy. Like what I said earlier about, like, I don't even like to walk up to the mailbox just a block up the street without my phone on me. What a wimpy thing to say. But I readily admit it. It's very wimpy. And I know I'm not alone. And if you've seen someone lose their phone, like truly lose it or have it get stolen, they lose their mind. There's a girl who works for me who, it was sort of a, it was sort of like a poetic moment and I felt bad for her, but it was sort of a poetic moment because uh, she's the one who uses her phone way too much. She's the one who's always on her phone and she just has it out. She was like on the ground in one of the aisles, like doing some stalking or something. And she of course had her phone out. And she ended up leaving it on the ground in one of the aisles. And we had we just happened to have these really sketchy, thieving customers there at that moment. And sure enough, they took it. And we didn't know who took it. And because you can, like, search for your phone... Like, all she could find is that it was last seen in the parking lot. And then those the thieves, the people we suspected of stealing from the store left and just her phone case was found like where their car had been parked so they obviously took it and she had to go home like she was so upset like her boyfriend came to work other people too like her boyfriend and I think relatives came into work and like were talking to her like she had to stop everything they were trying to like trace it they were trying to like contact the phone company And uh, she was crying and then she asked if she could go home. And I said, yeah, because she was so like, like her, uh, I mean, I'd be upset too, not to that level, but I'd be upset if my phone got taken or I lost it. But like the upset that she was feeling, like the grief that she was experiencing, was real grief it's like you could make fun of it all you want and say like oh you're crying over a phone well phones are important they're expensive whatever else um but you you could like make fun of it and you know the principle of it all like you use your phone too much you left it lying out and it got taken you know you, you could and now you're having a meltdown that's so silly you know you could say that but it's like that's real grief to her so i was just like yeah you know like she's she's not she doesn't need to be here in that state She's extremely upset and there, you know, it was sort of poetic in the sense that girl who uses her phone too much left it lying out unattended and people, someone took it and then we found the phone case under their car. You know, there is something kind of poetic about that. Like there's a lesson in that. It does feel like a parable, but I felt bad for the girl. I didn't, I wasn't like, ha ha. (laughs) <laughs> you know I, I i found no joy or like you know anything but it did feel poetic that yeah like the person who who the girl who's addicted to her phone had to learn a lesson and like what happens when you just like have your phone out all the time and are careless with it because that that is careless And I'm so paranoid that, like, if I'm sitting at my desk and not actively using my phone for something, I won't even leave it sitting on the desk. Because in my mind, like, what if something happens and I have to rush over there real quickly and I don't think to put my phone back in my pocket, I'm going to be leaving my phone behind me unattended. So, if I'm not actively using it, I just have it in my pocket. Like the only place where I'll have my phone set down on a table or anything is at home. And at home, I, I try not to keep it near me. Like, unless I'm enjoying talking to somebody or I'm expecting to hear for some, from somebody for a reason, like, I don't have my phone just sitting next to me. I'll put it on the kitchen counter and I'm across the room on the couch. That's good enough. But it's become a real, I mean, I wouldn't call it philosophical. But but it's become a real discussion for our time of just how to deal with these things. And even if you are disciplined about it, even if you've found a way that it works for you like like i've fa- i've truly found a way for phones to work for me like as far as my own approach to using phones and like how i use it to communicate with people and what i use it for and how much i use it i feel very comfortable and happy with my phone use you know i feel totally fine about that the problem though is what i was just complaining about a minute ago is that in using it you're now connected to all of those other people and all of those other forces i mean you know it's it's not even just people you know it's it's not and it's not even just scam calls or telemarketers it's wrong numbers and then you have email email Like, my phone buzzes when I get an email. And more often than not, it's an ad or a, um, you know, it's like some something I got signed up for. It's a bill. So it's kind of this little dread machine. It's a this machine. At its worst, phones are a this machine. This is this. He's this. Because that's what, like, on my off days when I get a call or usually a text related... If it's a call, it's usually something important. Like, if I get a call related to, like, business, you know, I, I don't mind that, actually. Like, today a girl had to call me, but I mean, I didn't like this. This girl to call me because there was like some customer's order got messed up and there's nothing i could like i couldn't look at it myself from home i need to be at work to be able to look it up in the system and stuff so it kind of sucked like i don't mind her calling about that because it is important but like i don't mind if like if somebody calls me and is like oh hey this customer wants this can we do that oh this customer wants this but like they want five percent off like can we do that like i don't mind that like i don't mind if it's something like that um it sucks if it's a problem like oh this customer's order got fucked up and they're mad because now i have a pit in my stomach and i hope i don't have to deal with this when i come back but it's like the messages like the oh this happened oh oh, this oh she said this to me and i'm i'm i just want to quit you know it's like So when someone hits you with that, it's like, not that that isn't important that they're feeling that way, whatever, but it's like the fact that it's a, this machine and people, you know, and care, your friends will do that. Oh, Hey, this, but it's even the bots. Everything is this, you know, it's getting a text message, like advertising something or promoting something. Hey, this, this. To really become this, this machine straight into your consciousness. And fortunately, I have some friends who call me, and it's it's always I it's always something I look forward to. But there's some people like when they call you, it's going to be a this, 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 this. You know, a lot of times it's going to be that, which is this. So what we really need to do is like limit the amount of this that goes on with it. You know, there's always going to be this, but it should be this. Oh, hey, this. Oh, hey, by the way, this. Rather than this. Have you heard about this? But it's not just your communication because that's the other side of it. Is um, people consume so much news and you know other media through their phone that that's the whole other side of this. Because the this that you're getting from the people you know, the this that you're getting from scammers. I mean, I got a I got a weird one the other day where it didn't say it was a scam call. It was just a call. And I answered it, and they're like, "Hey, this is like a border custom." It was it was like a Mexican woman's voice, and she was like, "Oh, hey, this is um, you know, like the border customs, you know, down in such and such Texas." And she's like, "Like we received a package of contraband." Um, that has your name on it or something like that. That's like addressed to you. I don't remember if she said it was drugs or if she just said contraband or what, but like she basically basically implied like a package of drugs is on its way to you. Do you know anything about this? Were you expecting this? But she didn't say my name initially, and I said, What name is on the package? What name is on the package? And uh, she's like, Eric Stonefeld. And I was like, I'm not expecting, no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not not aware of any contraband being sent to me. And then she just hung up. And I'm I'm positive it was a scam. Like this wasn't actual customs at the border calling me like to be like, oh, hey, a, a package of drugs is being sent your way. Uh, do you know anything about this? Like, you know, it was a scam of some kind. I'm positive. And it's funny to think if it wasn't like, it's funny to think that like, if somebody was sending narcotics to me from Mexico, you know, that'd be funny, uh, <laughs> that somebody would just put my name on it. Oh, hey, Let's, let's put this guy's name on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, the whole thing sounded like bullshit. But it did did kind of freak me out when she said my name. Because I was like, they obviously have my name. Like, whoever's running this scam has my name. Which, of course they do. They have everybody's names. But it was just, it it was such a weird premise. But it was a this. It was like, that's a big this. Drugs are being sent your way from Mexico as your address on it. (laughs) Like, that's a pretty, that's, that's a this if I've ever heard of one. But not a personal this. That's just sort of like, I, I, that was, I, I loved getting that call. That was fun. The fact that I had to think about it for a second, like that I had to consider whether narcotics were being shipped to my house from Mexico for like two seconds before I determined that I was just some bullshit scam. I don't know what that scam would be though. I'm trying to figure out what that scam would even be, like what the angle would be. Like if I said yes, I was expecting it or something. Oh yes, I am expecting contraband. But because I said no, she just hung up. So I don't know. I don't know what the what the angle is. How they would scam you. The only thing I can think is like if you said yes, they'd be like, oh well, you'll have to pay to receive it or something. You will have to bribe us. I don't, I don't know what the angle would be but it was a fun call it was fun to get that call like maybe it was legitimate maybe it was legitimate maybe i was getting narcotics or contraband shipped to me from mexico and they'll knock on my door one of these days because if that was like because i was you know, they'll smuggle contraband on innocent people. Like, I've heard that thing, you know, where it's like a lot of innocent people smuggle drugs across the border or on airplanes. But I don't know what the like, if, if they were actually just choosing random people to ship drugs to, I'm not sure how they would do it. Like, if I just, like, checked the mail one day and there was a package and I opened it up and there was cocaine in it what good would that do them? Would they then have like their, their agents, like the, uh, would the drug cartel then have like a member of the cartel, like break into my house and get it or ask me for it? Like what good would it be to like send drugs to a total stranger? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't legitimate, but I, I, I don't understand what the scam would be either. But they can just get a hold of you now and ask you that. Everybody in the world can connect to you and bring this to your attention. This. This. Oh, hey, this. Were you expecting this? Did you know this happened? you know this happened? Anyway, that's all I got. I'm just going to end up repeating myself. That's all I got.